Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. So let's go ahead and jump into our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump into a new gift. I'm going to explain that, which one, in a second. But let's go ahead and read this portion together. 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody say, common good. Everyone benefits from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the person who's being used that is benefiting, it's for everyone. So to each is given the manifestation, which is a big word for display, the display of the Spirit for the common good. And now he begins to list them. Right? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Uh, 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 to another, faith by the Spirit, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Sorry about that. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them each just as he determines. That tells us that, that there is no class I can, I can set up that whoever wants the gift of prophecy, come out to this class and we're just going to hand them out. Right? Get your coupon in the mail, bring it in, and then we'll give you this gift. Like, no, no, the Lord is the one who gives them to his people as he determines. And uh, I know that he is a God that loves us. In fact, he even says this, uh, how many of you, being the parents that you are, he asks, he poses this question, if your child is hungry, we'll give them a, a rock, right? Like, like how many of you, if your child wants bread, are you gonna throw them a rock? Like, here you go, kid, just chew on this, right? Like, none of you, he's, he's bringing up a rhetorical question, none of you are gonna do this unless you really don't like your kids. Uh, none of you are gonna do this. Like, you're gonna give your kids bread if they want bread. And he says this, though you who are capable of evil, though you who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your father, who, by the way, is not capable of evil, who has never sinned, who's never been tempted by sin, how much more will he give good gifts to his children who ask him? God has nothing but good things for us. He's got nothing but blessing. He's got nothing but care, nothing but love. God has great things in store for his children. So we don't have to be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We understand they're for our good. They're for our benefit. They're for our blessing. They're for the common good of his church. Amen? So here he has, I'm just going to list them out again. We've been doing this every week just so that we can get this in our memory. Here are the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. We call these the manifestation gifts because that's what the Bible uses to define them. The first one is this, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, and interpretation. So Technically, the, the, the word faith should also be struck through because I'm striking out H1s that we've been teaching on. We taught on tongues and interpretation. We taught on prophecy. Then we taught on uh, healing and then miracles and faith last week. And then this week, we are jumping into a, uh, another gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's the gift of discernment, the gift of discernment. If I were to categorize like a, a way to remember these nine gifts, they would, they would fall under three categories. There are the speech gifts, which are the ones that display the voice of God or the heart of God. And, and those three gifts would be uh, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. All of those require speaking something out. Those are called the speech gifts. 
Um, then we have the power gifts. These are the ones that demonstrate or display, rather, the power of God. And that would be faith, miracles, and healing. And then finally, today, we are jumping into a new category. This week and next week, the new category. And, and these are the revelation gifts. Now, I know the moment I say revelation, some of you, again, you're like, Pentecostal revelation? Like you're holding on to your chair? Uh, revelation is not something that we should be afraid of. Revelation literally means to take out from what was hidden and put it on display. So there are gifts that God gives us that help us take what was once hidden or, or unseen and, and, and put it on display for all to see. Those are called the revelation gifts, and those are a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and finally, discerning of spirits or discernment. Those three gifts are known as the revelation gifts. When I was growing up, uh, my parents divorced at a, at a really young age. I was probably about two years old, uh, maybe about going to be two years old. And uh, so I was raised by a single mom for a couple of years, and, and she is the strongest woman. By the way, thank you guys so much for praying. Um, she, she does, she, she's going through cancer chemotherapy, um, and she is in her fourth week of just a long, long uh, chemotherapy. And she's been telling me, she's like, you know what? Um, I think God is doing a powerful work in my body. She like showed me, she's like, I, I don't feel any weakness. Like I feel, I feel strong. And I've been telling her, I was like, mom, it's because we got a church that is praying and God is doing some powerful things. So uh, please keep praying for my mom. Just awesome things are happening. But my mom's awesome. Uh, when, when, we were, when we were growing up, uh, she raised me and uh, I was raised by a strong Mexican woman. Like she, man, she could throw a chancla from across the room and just, you know, headshots all the time, right, right in the back of the head. She's great. She's great. Um, but my, my, uh, my mom soon remarried. Uh, th this man, his name, his name is Armando. He's an awesome, he's my stepdad. I, I love him. He is my dad. Like, he, he's all I know when it comes to a dad. And he is, he's amazing. An incredible man, hard worker. Uh, but when my mom and stepdad were, were first dating, when my mom, Maria, and my dad, Armando, were, were dating, um, we found out something. We found out that um, he's a twin, and when he first started dating my mom, I didn't really know that there were things such as twins. I didn't know that there were clones. I thought that was just something you saw in Star Wars. Um, so, so literally, when I found out he was a twin, I was terrified. Uh, I, there I saw Armando walking. You know, he was walking into the backyard. I think we were having a family party. He walks to the backyard. I'm like, hey, Armando, good to see you. And behind Armando is Armando. I'm like, hey, Armando, good to see you. And I'm just like, I, I book it. I, I just start, like, I mean, what, what do you do at five years old? when you see like a, a literal clone of someone, you just book it. You're like, that's all you could do. Like, ah, attack of the clones. Or like, like, what is there to do? So I just started crying and I'm wailing and they begin to explain to me like, no, that's his twin. You know, sometimes people have a twin. They look, some of them look identical, some don't. And I was like, he looks really identical, right? Like, like literally, it's like looking into a mirror. I was terrified, terrified. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had encounters where, where people are easily confused by my, my dad and, and his twin. Um, there was one time, when we were, uh, you know, my, my uncle Robert, uh, who's my dad's twin, he's a DJ. And uh, sometimes he'll be at, he'll DJ parties and the party will go late and he'll clean up his stuff. And uh, sometimes it'll get late payment. People will pay him after the party or the next day or something like that. Well, one day, uh, it was a Sunday morning. Uh, we, were, we were going grocery shopping and someone runs up to my dad and they're like, oh, hey, Robert. Oh, man, I'm so, great job last night. You did really great at that party. Here, here, here's a check. Thank you so much. And my dad just looked at, took it and said, thanks. And he put it in his pocket. <laughs> He eventually gave the check back to Robert because he realized he couldn't cash it. Um, 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, but but uh, th- there was another time where something like this happened where uh, some lady, another, again, a grocery store, we were in a grocery store and some lady runs up to my mom and says, Maria, hey, it's so good to see you, honey. How you doing? Gave her a hug and just, you know, one of those like held her too long kind of a hugs. And my mom's like, oh, okay, we're, we're doing this. All right, we're Mexicans. So we, we hug quite a, quite a bit. It's no, no, no big deal. Um, so they held a hug and she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I've been meaning to tell you something. And, and I'm just like standing like, what's going on? This lady's bizarre. She's weird, right? She better not invite us to church, right? Like, <laughs> so, so, she, so anyway, the, the lady's like, um, uh, yeah, Maria, I, I just, I, I got to tell you, I don't know how to break it to you, but I'm just going to be honest because we've been friends for so long. I saw Armando and um, he was touching another woman's butt. And I was like, What? And it turns out that that was my Uncle Robert. So my mom, my mom was like, she just starts laughing. And, and the lady's like, what? This is not how you're supposed to respond to the news that I just told you and, and this and that. And uh, the, the reality, what happened was that this was my Uncle Robert and he was with his wife. And they were, I guess he was touching her butt at like a Walgreens or something like that. I uh, shouldn't have been doing that. I'm not condoning that in public. PDA guys, please keep that at home. Uh, the Lord is good. Sex is for marriage. But hey, come on. Uh, so anyway, my Uncle Robert didn't know that. Or he doesn't know that apparently. So anyway, um, uh, here's the thing. The reason why those people, and the reason why I was so afraid of of my stepdad when I saw my stepdad's clone or my stepdad's twin was because I didn't know my father or my my soon-to-be father intimately. And the more and the closer I got to him, the more I was able to distinguish his face from anyone else's, even the ones that were slightly identical. And the closer we get to God the more we are able to discern or distinguish the difference between what is God and what is not God. This morning, I believe some of us are are running and trying to figure out life, and we're saying, Lord, is this your will? Is this your desire? Where do I go? What's next? Do I take this job? Where where do I go? And the reality is this. The closer you get to Jesus, the, the closer in proximity you are to him, the more you'll be able to discern what his voice is, what his will is, his desires for your life. Today, I want to talk to us about the spiritual gift of discernment. Everybody say discernment. Discernment. Discernment would be defined as this, to be able to distinguish well. If we were to look at the dictionary, they would define it, they would define it this way, to be able to distinguish well. The Greek would, would be this word diocrisis, and it would literally mean this, to judge two things apart. To be able to look at something and say, this is a counterfeit, and this is authentic. Uh, to be able to look at a, a dollar bill, and if anyone's ever worked a cash register, you know they put you through training where you gotta kinda see like what is real, what's not acceptable. Now they just give you markers, and you just go ahead and mark that, and that tells you what is authentic and what is not. But when I was working at a cash register, it was before the marker money was, was out there, and you had to literally know, and you could tell, like, dude, this is Monopoly money. Stop that, right? Like, like you can't pay with this. It's not good here. Uh, go next door. They'll take that. Um, but in discernment, to be able to distinguish well, to, to understand or realize what is authentic and, and what is not Today, I want to talk about four kinds of discernment. Like, maybe you have said to yourself, I, I, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I, does that mean I have the gift of discernment? And I would say, while that does mean you have some ability of discernment, when Paul is teaching on the spiritual gift of discernment, he's not talking about 
a ability to judge someone's character from across the room. Like, that, that person gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, I just got these goosebumps, and I, I they, they, no, that, that's not necessarily the gift of discernment, but that is a form of discernment. So today, I want to talk about four types of discernment. Uh, to teach this, I drew a pyramid. I actually went up to Jacob. Everybody give it up for Jacob, our graphic designer. He's awesome. I was like, Jacob... I need your help to teach this. Uh, can, you, can you do a pyramid? He's like, yeah, I can do a pyramid. Can you do four, you know, four levels? Like, yeah, I can do that. And I was like, all right, on the first level, I need us to write natural. Everybody say natural. These are the four types of discernment. Natural discernment. Everybody say intellectual. Intellectual discernment. Everybody say biblical. That is biblical discernment. And fourth, the spiritual gift of discernment. Everybody say discernment. So when we use discernment, there's four levels, and at the primary level, it's like they all build up on each other. The primary level, the, the first level, is natural discernment. This is the unexplainable feeling some people receive in situations that either present feelings of calm or worry, right? Uh, for some of you, it may be female premonition. I'm, I, I promise you, like for some reason, ladies are just better at this natural discernment where they're able to walk into a situation and just be like, hey, something feels off here, right? Like, like my, my spidey senses are tingling, right? Uh, or maybe, maybe you call it street smart. Be able to just, you know, walk through a situation and be like, hey, this is off or this is not a good, this is not a good deal going down. Uh, or intuitiveness, right? Um, introverts are incredible at natural discernment. Why? Uh, because they are very observant. Many introverts that I know are, are observant. They'll sit back, and they're not the first to speak up, but they'll, they'll sit back and they'll observe a situation, so they're a great judge of, of what's to come or what's next. Um, we also understand that, I mean, maybe this is like the, the goosebumps that you get, and you're like, oh, man, this something something's off or something's weird. Uh, this increases with age and life experience. Have you ever heard the phrase, trust your gut? What they're saying is, uh, trust your natural discernment. And while I will say natural discernment is a form of discernment, it is not the most trusted form of discernment, right? When you're trying to make a moral decision, you shouldn't just say, I'm just going to trust my gut. No, no, no. If you're trying to follow Jesus, you know that your gut, your gut should trust Jesus, right? Like uh, uh, some people say, well, just, just listen to your heart. No, don't listen to your heart. Your heart is evil. <laughs> listen to Jesus, uh, your heart should be submitted to Jesus. So it's not just following your heart or following your natural discernment, like, I'm just gonna do whatever my heart desires. Like, no, no, no. Like that, that's a form of discernment, but that's not the greatest form of discernment. Uh, for some reason, I wrote in my, uh, I don't know why I wrote this in my notes, but I'm just gonna read it. Dogs are a judge of character, dot, dot, dot. Cats are evil. I don't know why I put that. Uh, some people say, like, dogs are just a really great judge of character. They'll just growl at someone, and, like, they'll keep you safe. But then cats, they don't care about you. Like, uh, in fact, they'll forget your face after three days. Of, you, you stop feeding your cat for three days and see if they love you still. I don't know why I don't like cats. I, Chris Basildo is a big cat fan. He's, he's, in, he's on, on staff with us, and we always get at it. Anyway, so that's the first level of discernment, natural discernment. Everybody say natural discernment. The second level... It's, it's, it's a higher level of discernment, and it's called intellectual discernment. Now, this is when uh, experience in a specific field gives us the insight to foresee how something is going to likely play out, right? So this is, for example, if you are a financial um, director of anything, and if you work with finances, and maybe you work with investments, right, uh, you know, judge based on history that you've previously seen, that, that some things are considered good investments and 
and others are, are bad investments. So when someone comes to you, you can discern to, for them intellectually why this may or may not be a good deal, right? So, so this is a kind of like you're, you're walking through your specific field of expertise. This is not just walking in experience, but also in, in things that you have uh, learned. Uh, I have been a pastor for long enough. I've been trained to work with teenagers and students and college students for almost 10 years I've been doing this. So uh, I have the intellectual discernment enough to know that skipping church for extracurricular activities is probably not going to be the best thing for your kids. I, I've learned that, that when, when they start, who they date is very important, and who they befriend is also very important. It doesn't mean that I have the gift of discernment. That just means I have been walking in this field long enough that I've acquired some expertise. I, I know when the situation is good or bad. Uh, simply, you show me your, 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 your son's girlfriend, and I can just say, hey, maybe this is not the one. You're like, oh, pastor, are you able to discern that spiritually? I'm like, no, I can discern it intellectually. Like, this girl don't love Jesus. You want, you want, her, to be, you want her to be with someone who loves Jesus. Um, so, so this is called intellectual discernment. In fact, Jesus was very good at pointing out that the Pharisees, um, had a form of intellectual discernment. Well, where do we see this? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 16, we see Jesus being tested by the Pharisees. And how many, how many of you realize that when Jesus is talking to people, they ask him a question, and he always responds like Yoda with a question? And uh, he responded with a question with a question. He said this in verse 2. He replied, oh, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul, foul, or foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, you guys have a form of intellectual discernment. You're able to see the sky, and that'll tell you what the weather is going to be like. You can look at it in the morning and tell you what the evening's going to look like. You can look at it in the evening and tell you what the morning, the next day, is going to look like. You have intellectual discernment. But he was very clear at saying your ability to discern or judge the will and the heart of God or the voice of God stops there. It doesn't go beyond. It may be natural, maybe intellectual, but it doesn't break into what is called biblical discernment because Jesus literally says in the next verse, he says this, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. He's saying you can look at the weather and tell what's going to be like tomorrow and how the humidity percentage. Like, you know, know that stuff, but what you don't know is how to distinguish what God is doing now. You don't recognize the signs of the times. Jesus was literally saying you lack in biblical discernment. What's biblical discernment? Well, let me define it here. Biblical discernment is the result of spending time in the presence and word of God. Biblical discernment comes from regularly spending time in the presence and word of God. If you feel like you are constantly making bad decisions, falling into bad relationships, hanging out with friendship, making friendships that don't last, and if you feel like you're making bad decision after bad decision, can I just, can I just say this? I love you and I don't want you to make bad decisions. But if you are just relying on natural discernment and intellectual discernment, until you rely on biblical discernment, you're gonna continue making poor choices. Why? Because when we begin to spend time with God, who wrote the rules to the game of life, and when we spend time with him, we will learn 
to win at this game. So this is the result of spending time in his presence, in his word, regularly developing while watching other Christians, maybe having a mentor that you ask out to coffee and you watch how they live their life. We need biblical discernment. An example of this we see in Hebrews 5.14. Look what he says. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is, is writing, he says this, but, but solid food is for the mature. Now he's talking about teaching. He's using food as an illustration for, for teaching. He's saying solid food or, or deep spiritual truths are for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, right? Those who are living a mature lifestyle, who are spending time, the, the only reason why they are mature is because by constant practice, they've been able to distinguish good from evil. The New Living Translation would say that portion this way. He's writing, he says this in verse 12. He says, uh, you guys have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Natural discernment, intellectual discernment, and biblical discernment, which comes from being in the word of God from spending time in his presence, I would say God's desire for us all is to develop, and, or actually to, to, to view the world from the lenses of scripture. Every decision I make, every word that I speak, every action I take to do so, not from the lens of what is the world doing, what is my very successful neighbor doing? What do my teachers say? Now, I'm not telling you to be disrespectful or rude, but I'm saying we should be living our lives from a biblical worldview. Amen. We are faced with decisions every day, how to think about things, how, how, to, how to speak, how, what, what, what ethical decisions should we live under? The scriptures reveal that. Amen. That's going to tell us what is right and wrong. That's going to help us make informed decisions. But we do so by spending time in his presence, sitting under solid and sound teaching, reading the word of God, reading it with others. So natural, intellectual, biblical. But when Paul is teaching on the gift of the Holy Spirit known as discernment, he is talking about a fourth level, which is the ability. This is the, the fourth one. This one's called the spiritual gift of discernment. And this is a special supernatural urging and prompting from the Holy Spirit helping believers decide if something is the work of the Spirit or not. Um, I think this is a perfect time to remind us all that we are living in a spiritual battle. That the current conditions that we find ourselves in are spiritual. That there is a war waging around us and we can pretend like it's not happening because we can't see it. But let me remind you this morning that every single moment we are faced with a decision. Are we going to put on the full armor of God today 
or are we just gonna leave it off on the side? We are in a spiritual battle. Paul would write in Ephesians 6, 12, you know when he gives the whole, uh, the whole uh, portion in scripture where he says, put on the, the armor of God, the, 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 the field, uh, or the, the, the word of truth and all these different ones, like um, he brings all of that up, but he's bringing it up because he tells, says this in verse 12 of chapter six, he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, we are fighting a spiritual battle. And there are times where our natural discernment, our intellectual discernment, our biblical discernment, as important as all of those are, we still need the gift of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, this is not right. This situation is posing as good, but this isn't right. So I wanna talk in our closing moments about the gift of discernment. Literally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says discerning of spirits. There's the Holy Spirit, and then there's demonic forces. And oftentimes, demonic forces will present themselves as good but secretly they're rotten. In fact, even Paul said that if anybody comes to you preaching a, uh, a gospel contrary to this one, actually it was John the Revelator, he says, I don't care if they come in, 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 in beautiful, dazzling lights, if this gospel is contrary to the one that you have received, may they be accursed. There are things that are presented to us as good and helpful and beneficial but we need the gift of discernment to say, hey, this is not of the Lord. This is not of the Lord. Now, can I be super clear? The gift of discernment will never supersede biblical discernment. They will always align. So no, you should never come to, hey, ooh, Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, ooh, the Holy Spirit is just telling me that's not for us. No, I'm gonna slap you with that Bible. Be like, no, we need this. We need this. Right? So, so biblical discernment and, and spiritual discernment, they're not, they're not against each other. They're not fighting for, for superiority. They, they work together, but still there are those moments where, I mean, not that scripture doesn't speak on this, but that, that maybe it's a gray area and we need to make a decision now. And, and that is when we rely on the gift of discernment. Where in scripture do we see this? Well, I'm gonna say this. There are two ways that the gift of discernment manifests itself biblically. The first one is this confirming the Holy Spirit's activity. Now, I, I know sometimes when we hear the gift of discernment, we, we feel like that's always gonna deal with demonic and, and possession. Well, no, no, sometimes the gift of discernment, actually, I'll say this, more often than not, the gift of discernment is to affirm the good things that God's doing. Um, it, it's to say, you know what? It gives you a check in your spirit and say, ooh, this is right, this is good. I would say this, two-thirds of the time, the gift of discernment is to say, this is right. This is good. The Holy Spirit, doesn't, he's not a fear monger. He's not like, watch out for that demon. He's like, hey, I already, I already conquered, conquered the death. I already beat every demonic force out there. Uh, so what, what he does is, is he leads us and says, hey, this is good. Stay on this path. Keep going. That is also discernment. Um, I would say this. He, uh, we, we see examples of this in Scripture. One of those is in Matthew 16, verse 17. When Paul, or I'm sorry, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And he responds. He says, Jesus uh, he says, you are Jesus, you are the son of God, you are our savior. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. 
You did not learn this from any human being. This was the spiritual gift of discernment. The only way you were able to correctly answer that question, Peter, was because the Holy Spirit has taught it to you. There have been times in leadership where I'm making, uh, I've heard this funny phrase, um, everybody loves you as a leader until you start making decisions. And there was times uh, when, I, when I was starting off and making decisions and we had to make some tr- tr- transitions and some changes and, and I, I, was, I, I knew this was the will of God, I knew this was the direction we were supposed to head in uh, and, and I, I already spoke to the elders and uh, I was like, all right, let's do this, we're, we're gonna make this decision and uh, would you not believe it that the moment I made a decision, people are like, oh, what is going on, this and that. And, and I started having doubts. I was like, oh, Lord, did you really, did you really speak that to me? Like, was, was that, I, I, at a moment, I thought it was you, and, and now I'm over here just uh, afraid, because how many of you know that when the Lord speaks something clearly, you make that decision, there's going to be moments where opposition comes up, and now you're questioning everything. You're like, oh, man, did I do the right thing? Well, we had a, an elder on, on board, and, and I don't even think Oscar knew that he was being used in this gift of, of the Spirit, but he came up to me. He's like, Pastor, I just, I just need to tell you something. Um, we're going in the right direction. This decision that you've made, that we've made, this is the right move. And uh, God's gonna honor us and bless us and, and we're gonna see the fruit of this. And I, I'm, there I am, I'm just like, I could have just cried. I'm like, I, I needed to hear that. He was being used in the gift of discernment. He was saying, this is still the desire of the Holy Spirit. Let, let me confirm what he is doing. So, so the gift of discernment is gonna be sometimes, and maybe you've been used by this, where you come in and you confirm the will of God, that this is the will of the Holy Spirit, that he is leading and guiding. In fact, I will say this, the gift of discernment most oftentimes comes through encouragement. If you're an encourager and you feel like, oh, I've never spoken in tongues or done any of that, like, I'm not, no, listen, that is a very necessary gift. Encouraging people Man, we, no one has ever said, no, hey, you know what, please don't encourage me, I've had enough. No one has ever said that. So if you are an encourager, keep on encouraging. And if you're not an encourager, start encouraging, all right? Like, please, please, but I'm telling you, the gift of discernment most often displays itself through encouragement. Where do we see, so that's the first one, confirming the Holy Spirit's activity. The second one, and I end with this, the second one is this, revealing nefarious demonic spiritual influence. The gift of discernment, it confirms the Holy Spirit's activity. Two-thirds of the time, it's gonna be that. 66% of the time, it's gonna be confirmation. But there are moments, I would say a third of the time, that we see this gift being used, where it is intended, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, saying, stay away from that. That is not the will of God. That is not the Spirit of God. That is intended to trip you up and mess you up. I don't care how pretty that girl looks. That is not for you. Like, like that's a Jezebel spirit. You better stay away from her. Like, the Holy Spirit will speak that to you. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, in your natural discernment. You're like, she looks so good. But, hey, that's not for you. All right? Uh, let's keep going. So, so where do we see this? Where do we see the, the revelation of nefarious demonic spiritual activity or influence? Well, we see this in the book of Acts multiple times. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, and we're going to see where in Simon the Sorcerer's story. But today, we're going to look at specifically Ananias and Sapphira. You guys remember Ananias and Sapphira? Scariest story I ever read when I first got saved. I literally asked myself, am I sure I want to be a Christian? (laughs) Terrified me. Like some of you talk about like the rapture, like, like that being the scariest thing about Christianity. No, no, no. Ananias and Sapphira terrified me. Like, I was up for days, like, am I going to get struck down now? How about now? Like, like, it was just like something I was questioning all the time. Can I just say this? We never see this story happen like this again, and I'm going to explain in a second. 
In Acts chapter 5, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, they were co-conspirators in what we were about to read. Um, they sold a piece of property. Now, some context. The church was growing and flourishing. It was beautiful. Like, literally, that's like if all of us sold everything and we just, like, built, like, like a, a, somewhere to sleep out in the field and we're just like, like, that's actually communism. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> that wasn't prescriptive. It was descriptive of what was happening at the time. Um, so, anybody who says that, let's just keep going. Um, so, so they, they sold, everybody was selling property and selling boats, and they were, they were giving all these different things, and they were writing checks out to the Enhanced MWC campaign and the ICT Halloween party. It was beautiful, beautiful. Things were just happening, flourishing. The church was growing. Everybody was loving each other. So they saw somebody, they're like, let, let, me, let me take care of that for you. Just beautiful. And Ananias and Sapphira thought to themselves, you know what? Let's go ahead and do the same thing. Let's sell our property Look what it says. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. Why is that a bad thing? We'll see in a second. And he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Continuing on, it says this. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it? How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you have received for the land? You may be telling yourself, what, what's wrong with that? He sold the property, it was his, and he didn't do anything wrong, but here's what he did wrong. He pretended that he sold it and gave it all to the kingdom, gave it all to the body of Christ, gave it all to the church. Why? because he saw that with those acts of generosity was coming fame and applause and maybe positions of influence. So Ananias and Sapphira thought to themselves, if we are gonna sneak our way into a position of authority in the church and put ourselves in a position where we can influence others, let's go ahead and say that we sold it all and we'll just, no one's gonna care. We'll just, we'll just keep a portion for ourselves. But look what he says there. How has Satan so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money you received for the land? And I love this verse. He says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? It was yours. It was your money. It didn't belong to them. It was, it was yours. God put it in your possession. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? God entrusted you with that money it wasn't the churches we didn't just say here give me that no no no. it was yours what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied just to human beings but to God how did Peter know this did Peter have an insider in the house no the implication here in Scripture is that the Holy Spirit gave Peter the gift of discernment to judge the authentic or unauthentic behavior of someone in the church. Gave him that word of like, hey, this is, this is off. And he just called it out. Then Peter said to Ananias, or continuing on, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Remember earlier how I said I was terrified? Now you know why. He lied and died. That's it. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. He received death as a result of his sin. Why? 
the first time I read this, it sounded like an Italian mob movie. Is God some cosmic extortionist trying to shake people down? Is he the Godfather? No, he is God, but he's not the Godfather. No, God gave Peter the gift of discernment right then and there because he must have known what the sin of this deceitfulness would have caused in the body of Christ. Who, who's to say that they wouldn't have rose to a position of authority and completely destroyed and dismantled what beauty was blossoming from this young church? I mean, it was growing and growing and growing, and, and it takes a little bit of division. You remember when Jesus says a house divided cannot stand? Well, that deceit would have certainly divided the church. And God is for the protection of his bride. He is for the protection of his church. So right then and there, you may read that story and you'll be like, oh, poor Ananias and Sapphira. Well, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what Ananias and Sapphira probably would have done and, and how they would have destroyed the beauty of what God was doing in the body of Christ. So God dealt with it in his righteousness and his judgment and his holiness and his love. He dealt with it right then and there. Now, we never see this kind of situation happen again in Scripture. It's just Ananias and Sapphira. But what happened in the church? Anybody who was thinking to themselves, hey, we could, we could just sneak our way to the top if we did this, or instantly. The Bible says that a great sense of fear, not, not like a terror, but a, a deep reverence and respect and awe where People would just like bow and just reverence and awe and just like worship God and like a deep sense of fear and awe just fell over the church and, and sin was just destroyed, vanquished on the spot because they recognized that God is holy and that the church is his bride and, and that they have to allow the health of the body to grow and if they had any thoughts of deceit or, or conceitedness or arrogance or pride or pompousness like that, that just dissipated and it was gone when everyone heard what had happened. Now here, here's where the story gets interesting. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and I has got for the land? Yeah, she said, that, that, that's the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Now, I think the Lord gave him a word of knowledge because he, I don't know if he just like, he didn't, she just, look what happens. Verse 10, at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear, again, there it is again, seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The gift of discernment will develop a sense of reverence in the body of Christ that was formerly missing. We see this gift of discernment being used again in 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and, and Luke were preaching through the region of Philippi. It says there, Luke is writing, he says this, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Can I say this? Anyone, I don't care if they claim to be a Christian, anyone who says they can predict the future, that spirit is not of the Lord. Because as Christians, we don't need to know the future because we know the one who holds it in his hands. 
Now, there are things that God does reveal to his church. We know that in the future he will come again. But anything that we know about the future is because of the grace of Jesus. So we look forward to things, but we don't need to consult tarot cards and, and, and Ouija boards and, and gold glass balls and, and astrology. Like That is not for the church. We have the Holy Spirit, and he thwarts all of that. He is higher, bigger, smarter, more intelligent, more powerful than all of those things combined. So Christian, if you are, 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 are seeking those things, can I tell you, you are opening up a door to the demonic. I know it's Halloween, Ouija boards are, are cute. No, they are not. We are opening up a door that should not be opened. We only need the Holy Spirit. But here we have a woman who had a spirit, a demonic spirit is the implication by which she predicted the future. And imagine, like, someone who is on the outside who maybe they don't believe in Jesus, but they go to her and be like, oh, she can predict the future, but Peter and, and Luke and Paul can't, so maybe, maybe she's of God. You see, you see the, how, how often that happens in the church. Listen, sometimes the demonic realm will pose as truth and good and it leaves you feeling empty at the end. Can I tell you this? Satan doesn't know the future. He's just really good at guessing. Don't ever assume that God and Satan are like a yin and a yang, that they're, they're, they're equals, but they're fighting. No, 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 God is supreme. Only he knows the future. Anything that the devil knows is simply a guess or whatever God has revealed to him. They are not equals. God reigns supreme. So, so she was able to predict the future or guess the future by a spirit. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Man, I can preach on that. When you are used by an authentic gift of the Holy Spirit, go back to that verse. When you are used by an authentic gift of the Spirit, it is not for your own selfish gain. And here we see a woman who, who is being used for her own selfish gain. That is how you know it's demonic. Anybody who tries to peddle this or sell this, I don't care what they are preaching, if they are trying to peddle this or make a, a dollar off of this, that is demonic. Freely you have received, freely give. And here she was, predicting the future, making money for herself and for her, or rather her owners. Oh man, there's nothing but slavery and bondage in the demonic. But there's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Once when we were going to the place of prayer where we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Look what it says. She followed Paul and the rest of us. She, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the ways to be saved. She kept us up for many days. She's saying truth. But here's, here's something true about the demonic. Even if it's true, there's nefarious work involved. Why? Because in this region that Paul and Luke were preaching, the gospel was not welcome. If they would have came in, paraded around, people would have been turned off. So they needed to be it was kind of a, a covert mission to go in and, and preach the gospel and bring some in and, and, and allow it to be an underground work. 
But here she was just saying, oh, they're the servants of God. They're, 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 they know the ways to be saved. Paul became so annoyed that he turned around. I mean, she was probably following him for days. Turned around and said to the woman, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. That is the power of God. With one word, the authority of Jesus, just boom, gone. Long story short, what was the result of this story? Man, sometimes standing up for truth and being used in this gift of discernment is not popular, but it always leads to a greater good. How do we know that? Well, they were imprisoned. Oh, gee, thanks. Here I am being used by God, and now I'm thrown into prison. Well, something happened in that prison cell. It says that the owners, as soon as that she was casted out, when they, when they realized that their, their hope of making money was gone, they, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. The authorities threw them into prison, and they were imprisoned. And while they're there, they begin worshiping God. Man, worship is always the answer. They begin worshiping God, and they're, they're singing spiritual hymns, and they're singing songs to God. And then the earth began to shake, and the prison doors were, were busted open. The, the, the chains began to loosen. There, and there is freedom that comes with worship. And, and these chains loosen, and the jailer looks over the corner, and he's like, oh, this is it. And he's about to fall on his own sword. He's like, they're going to kill me because everyone's leaving. And Paul and Silas and Luke, probably Mark, they're sitting there, and they're like, hey, don't, don't worry. We're still in here, and we're not going anywhere. And the guy's like, what? So I don't have to fall on this sword? And Paul, Paul's like, no, put it away. So he puts away the sword. He's like, what must I do? And he gets saved. His entire household gets saved. Revival breaks out. But imagine if they wouldn't have been given that gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is intended to allow the church to flourish, to distinguish between what is the authentic work of the Holy Spirit and what is something else. I want to end with this story. I've only been used one time in the gift of discernment, or rather, I should say, where I was able to identify that something was Something demonic was, uh, was afoot. I had told my pastor, I was like, hey, listen, I, uh, there was this lady who came into the church and instantly started just gaining a, a following. Just, just, just really, really interesting. Just started gaining a following and everyone just flocked towards this individual. And uh, she, she seemed to say the right things and read the right things and pray the right prayers, but there was just something unsettling. And, and, and I want to be clear, the gift of discernment isn't judgment. You are not gossiping or judging people. Um, nowhere in Scripture should you go to some, nowhere in Scripture does it say that the gift of discernment should be followed by gossip. You don't go to another person and say, hey, have you heard this? I think they got a demon. Like, don't do that. That's not for the body of Christ. Whenever gossip is being used in the gift of discernment, you're destroying it, so please stop. So what I did is instead, is I, I went to my pastor, I prayed about this for a couple of days, and I was just praying about it. I was like, man, this, something just doesn't seem right. I went to my pastor and I said, hey, listen, I, I'd probably, you're the pastor, I submit to you and your leadership. If I'm off here, tell me, then I, I will, I'll never speak of this again, but, but I just sense that there's something that's, that's not right here. And he looked to me, he said the name, and he's like, is that who you're talking about? I'm like, yeah, that's who I'm talking about. He's like, I've been thinking about that already. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm just a confirmation that something just does not feel right. 
let's be careful to not give too much influence and responsibility because that's what he's saying. We're not gonna give too much influence and responsibility because this is not right and we'll see what happens. Well, there came an opportunity, fast forward a couple of weeks, couple of months later, I mean, new to the church and she wanted to start teaching a class and uh, pastor was like, hey, s- sister, listen, we, we're, we're not gonna do that. Um, in fact, we're, it's probably gonna take some time for that to ever happen and something snapped in her and she just became belligerent and was unapproachable and just was just a complete demeanor and, and posture shift and change. And I kid you not, a demonic spirit began to manifest itself in her. Turns out, long story short, she wasn't even a Christian. She was an imposter, pretending to know the heart of God, the will of God. And I guarantee you, had we not received the gift of discernment, the amount of dysfunction and disunity and division that would have bred in the church would have been unspeakable. Now, I want to be clear. Sometimes there's character issues, and sometimes we're just prideful. That's not a, although it's demonic in influence, I would never say that, that you got an evil spirit. You got the spirit of, of arrogance or pride. No, listen, that's character. We need Jesus. And how do you know that something is not a, a spiritual taking possession of somebody? One, if you are a Christian, you cannot be possessed, period. You can't be oppressed. Your flesh can show so I would never say to a Christian, listen, uh, you got a demon and you got a demon and you got a demon. I'm not giving out demons like I'm giving coupons out. Or like, that's, that's not how that works. I've had people who say, I got the spirit of indigestion. No, you just eat too much. Stop. But we do and we should operate with humility. Lord, can you confirm this to me? Because I'll tell you this much. You claiming that something has demonic influence in it, when it doesn't, will do more harm than good. Oh, it'll wreak havoc. So we walk with humility and reverence. You go to your leaders. God has placed spiritual leaders, pastors, in positions of authority and, and care over you. If you sense that something is wrong, you don't just go to that person and be like, I think you got a spirit. No, no, no. Go to the leadership. I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I just sensed this. And he already knew. And it was confirmation for him. That's how the Holy Spirit works. But there are moments, church. Listen to me. Listen to me. Every single one of us. There are moments where God desires to speak to us, to use us, to discern whether this is of the Lord or not. Now listen to me. 60% of the time, 66% of the time, it's going to be to encourage the work of the Spirit. Operate in that. Encourage. Hey, Bethany, that was an incredible worship set. Thank you so much. The Lord was was moving. It was powerful. You're you're being used in the gift of discernment. Do that. Do that. Hey, Ms. Brooke, I appreciate your ministry with the kids. God is doing a powerful work. The Spirit is moving. My kids are loving Jesus. Thank you for that. That is the gift of discernment. Praise the Lord. But then there is that. 30% of the time where the Lord is going to be speaking to you, and some of you may be in that moment now, or maybe you're in a relationship, or you're you're jumping into a a business venture, or an entrepreneurial opportunity, and the Spirit is trying to gain your attention and say, hey, this is not for you. This is not from my origination. This is something entirely else. It's not for you. You'll be shipwrecked by going into that. 
we pray to reveal that. We ask, Lord, confirm this. Confirm it through others. Reveal that to me through your biblical discernment. Right? So here's what we're going to do. In a moment now, we're going to, I'm going to call the ushers forward in, in, a, in a few moments, but I just want us to take a moment to pray. And I'm going to ask us to ask the Lord, Lord, increase my ability to discern. First and foremost, biblically. I believe the greatest thing we can do this morning is to commit ourselves to the word of God. To recommit and say, Lord, I'm, if, I, if I detoured in any way away from your word, I'm coming back. I'm getting in this. I'm, I'm spending time in your presence. I'm, I'm gonna walk with your spirit. I'm gonna keep in step with your Holy Spirit. Secondly, I want us to pray, Lord, if there are things in my life that I need to discern better, to know what is what relationships, what friendships, what opportunities that are presenting themselves that are not of your will, reveal that to me. I humble myself, confirm it through others. Let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you give the church. Thank you that your desire for us to navigate them are for the common good for all your people. Lord, thank you that our, our biblical discernment is absolutely integral. That if there's any among us, in fact, all of us in this place, recommit ourselves to your word to develop in us a heart that knows you a heart that loves you, and yes, a heart that fears you, Lord. Help us, God, to stay focused on your word, to distinguish between truth and falsehood, truth and, and heresy. Lord, I pray that we would not become prideful, that we would not turn into gossipers, that we would understand that your desire is for unity in the body of Christ. But Lord, we do pray that you would give us the gift of spiritual discernment. That as we're navigating life and opportunities arise or decisions need to be made, that we ask for you to reveal what is your good and perfect will. Lord, if any of us are in relationships that we should not be in, or if we are practicing things we should not be practicing, we pray right now for power in the name of Jesus to step away from those things and step closer to you. Right now in this place, the same way that those prison doors were opened and those chains fell, I pray that the gift of discernment would do the same for us. Again, Lord, we pray for humility. We pray for order. Help us to navigate these gifts with order. Let us not be too hasty. Let's be patient. We ask this in the precious, powerful, mighty, authoritative 
name of Jesus and all people said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise? Thank you, Jesus. Your spirit is good. Thank you, Lord. Ushers, if you want to come forward, we're going to go ahead and take our impact offering for our Halloween event. Here's one thing that I have already discerned. It is the will of God for us to love our city on the scariest night of the year. And we're going to do it powerfully and mightily. Um, So let me just pray over this. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you for our church, God. We are experiencing your power, your presence. We're experiencing growth. And we just pray that this gift, this offering, would be used to love the entire city of Wichita. That we would reach so many kids on that Halloween night who are coming and may may have never heard the gospel proclaimed, but that they would see Christians who love them and care for them who desire to to bring them into the body of Christ. We pray that you take this offering and bless it for your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.